Father God, would you please now speak through my weak and foolish words and speak with the authority of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to 14 and at spiritual gifts. And Paul writes here, right at the very beginning, I don't want you to be uninformed about the gifts. He begins this chapter by speaking of the heart of the spiritual person. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, do turn, uh, do turn to it if, you, if you've got it in the Bibles at the end of the pew, page 1153 in the Red Bibles, um, and uh, it, on the notice sheet it says the page in the Blue Bibles. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 1, now about uh, spiritual, well it actually doesn't say spiritual gifts, it actually says in the Greek, now concerning the spiritual It could mean people, gifts, or things. People talk a great deal about being spiritual. It can mean that they're into yoga, or dowsing, or Gregorian chants, or angels, or they claim to be particularly sensitive or open to the world beyond our senses. But that is not what Paul understands here as spiritual. At the heart of the true spiritual person is a heart that worships Jesus Christ as Lord. Verse 3. Therefore I tell you, no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What we have here is a line At the one end are those people who declare that Jesus is cursed. They look at the Jesus Christ who we read about in the Bible and they mock him and they curse him. Charlie Hebdo has produced some mocking cartoons, not just of the prophet Muhammad, but also of Jesus Christ. But but they're not the first. There's an early 2nd century cartoon engraved on a wall of of a figure with an ass's head hanging on the cross. And in front of him is somebody standing. And the cartoon, the caption cartoon below that, is Alexamenus worships his God. At the other end of this line, then, are those people who have been made alive by the Spirit. They look at the Jesus Christ who we read about in the Bible, and they see one who in love for them, even though they were sinners, left heaven, came to earth, and died for them. And in gratitude, they've asked him to come and live in their lives through his Spirit, and they live for him, and they worship him, And they cry out, Jesus is Lord. The truly spiritual person is the person who has bowed down before Jesus Christ and said, you are my Lord. I'll trust you and I'll obey you. I'll go wherever you lead me. Do whatever you show me. But the declaration Jesus is Lord is not just a declaration of faith that that, that Ben and Libby have made today. It's also a declaration of worship. 
In a few minutes' time, we're going to sing the hymn, Jesus is Lord, creation's voice proclaims it. Declaring Jesus as Lord is not just a statement of faith, it is an act of worship. Secondly, Paul talks here of varieties of spiritual gifts, services and activities. I struggled with these verses because I found myself trying to work out what's the difference between a natural gift and a spiritual gift. There are some who say that natural gifts are what we've received through genetics and and, or, or training. You know, we're good at maths or music or at running or at speaking or at football. And and that spiritual gifts are what we receive when we become believers and the Holy Spirit comes into us. Uh, I have to say I'm not convinced by that distinction. And when I looked again at these verses, I find they're speaking of particular gifts, but they're also speaking of different ways of operating, of using the gifts that we have. There are varieties of gifts, verses 4 to 6, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them in everyone. In other words, Paul is not only speaking of gifts, but of the very way that God works in the person who calls Jesus Lord. So so if we've bowed before Jesus as Lord then the Holy Spirit will both shape how we use the gifts and talents we already have, and the Holy Spirit will give us new gifts. Gifts that it seems are specifically to do with building each other up in worship as we proclaim and declare Jesus is Lord. You have a gift of music. We talk of it as a gift because you did nothing to deserve it. As a child, you develop and grow that gift through practice. You use the gift because it makes you feel good. You feel fulfilled when you play. People praise you for the way you play. At times, you use your gift for the community. You may go into a dementia unit and play for people there. And then you meet God. Or more to the point, God meets with you. And you call Jesus Lord. And you give every part of yourself to him. And you begin to think, I've given myself to him. Now I also need to give this gift that he's given me, this gift of music to him. How can I use my gift to help worship him? How can I allow God to both use my gift and to work in and through my gift? Uh, I've spoken before about the difference between Madonna and Dana. Both were asked in in the TV programme, actually in two different programmes, if they prayed. Madonna said, yes, I pray. She said, I get my crew around me before I go on to stage. And she said, and we pray, God, make them love me. Dana said, yes, I pray. Before I go on to stage, I pray, God, glorify your name through me today. That is using your gift to the glory of God. I've spoken about music, but there are many others. We we, we think of John Warnock and his ability with football. 
how God has taken and used that for Sporting 87 and how he has taken the willingness of Christians to commit themselves to coaching the football teams and to working with Sporting 87 for the sake of Christ. And for those of us who are both tone deaf and have two left feet, the Bible speaks of gifts such as hospitality. Can you give somebody a cup of coffee? Leadership, administration, service. They are gifts, natural abilities or talents that we already have. But when we become Christians, we bring them under the lordship of Christ. We recognize that they really are a gift, a gift from him. And we use them for Jesus, and we use them in his strength. Thirdly then, what about the new gifts that we might receive? Verses uh, 8 to, uh, uh, particularly here, 8 to 11. When we become Christians, God gives us new gifts. Now, this is not a definitive list, but actually, it's a pretty full list. Paul is, in this letter to the Corinthians, trying to correct an overemphasis in the Corinthian church on speaking in tongues. It was something that, that was very big in the church there, it appears. Uh, and uh, we need to bear that in mind as we read through this list. And, and we also need to bear in mind that as, as I read the commentaries, I realise that people really do disagree about what some of these particular gifts are. But as we read them, I wonder whether we're actually to think of a small group of people meeting together, a small group of Christian believers meeting together, meeting to learn and pray and worship together. Maybe one of our small groups. And, and, and maybe they've got a passage in front of them that they're looking. And as they talk about the passage, someone has done some preparation. They've worked hard on that passage. Uh, and they share what they've learned. Another comes up with a sudden insight that they get that makes sense of it all. Uh, and as they pray, uh, another speaks something they could not possibly have known, uh, possibly about somebody else in that group. It's spot on, relevant for someone else there. Another then person in the group then says, I think we should be praying specifically for this. And others say, no, that's impossible. But she insists, no, I really think we should be praying for this. That's the gift of faith. Another person prays for someone to be healed. And even maybe to their astonishment, that, that person is healed. Maybe another tells the group, about something astonishing that happened during the past week. They prayed and God worked in an incredibly powerful way. Uh, actually, we had that experience. Alison and myself went to see a couple and, who were just telling us how God stepped in in the most... I can't really go into details. I do. I'm sorry about that. But God stepped in the most astonishing way. And a long-term broken relationship was suddenly restored by something you would never, ever have imagined could have happened. Another person in the group says, that, speaks, and they say that they think God is speaking, and he wants to say this. Now, now of course, this is the word of God. And everything, everything has to be tested against the word of God. But, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't speak in other ways. Prophecy, 
which it speaks of here, is the speaking of the word of God into a particular situation. Uh, but, But we do need to be careful here, and we need to be humble. I do like the story of the person who said... Uh, in a prayer meeting, uh, suddenly spoke up and said, God says, I will raise you up in a fiery chariot like I raised Isaiah. And then there was a pause. And then they added, God says, I got it wrong. It was Elijah. (laughs) Maybe we should be saying, I I think God may be saying this. And And I need us just to test it, but I think we need to listen to this. Of course, prophecy, that kind of prophecy, can be abused or trivialized, but we must not reject it. It is here. Uh, and, that, and don't dismiss preaching. At its best, preaching is prophetic. It's about applying the word, the, 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 applying the word of God to a particular situation. Uh, And just because someone has spent time thinking and praying through what they think God is saying, it doesn't make it less spiritual than someone standing up on the spur of the moment. Spontaneity is not the only criteria of authenticity. Uh, And then there's the gift of discernment. It might be someone else in the group who says, do you know, I went there, or I met so-and-so, or I heard this... And, and I felt quite uncomfortable. Help me think it through, and perhaps we need to pray about what is dark there. Uh, and what about the gift of tongues? If the Corinthian church overemphasized it, I, I suspect we probably drift to the other side, uh, and we underemphasize it. We don't speak much about tongues. Um, we, we don't want to overemphasize them, and we realize that they are, as Paul later on says, the least of the gifts. But, but our danger is that we underemphasize a very precious gift. And, and tongues are useful. Qu- quite a number of people here speak in tongues. Uh, I speak in tongues. <laughs> I use them occasionally in my personal prayer, especially when I really don't know what else to pray. I say that God has given me a baby language to pray in, and I trust that as I pray in tongues, his spirit will come and pray in me. And tongues are not for special Christians. Tongues are for inadequate Christians. Tongues are for Christians who cannot pray. So pray and ask God to give you the gift. And then open your mouth and begin to speak. Most of the time this gift is to be used privately. But very occasionally, maybe in your small group, it might be right to speak out loud in tongues. And it, it may be that, that, that God will give somebody, one of the others, a sudden understanding of what it is that you said. I don't know, maybe even here as I prayed in tongues, somebody here actually thought, oh, I know, I know what that, I know, I suddenly know what that meant. Uh, at least that's how I understand the interpretation of tongues. 
The point about all of these gifts is that they're given to build up the body of believers so that together we glorify God. We're not all thinkers. We're not all feelers. We're not all activists. We're not all contemplatives. But if we are to worship God, to be the body of Christ, the church, we need each other. The thinkers need the feelers. The feelers need the thinkers. The activists need the contemplatives. The contemplatives need the activists. So I finish by asking three very simple questions. Where are you on this line? Are you cursing Jesus? Maybe not with your words, but actually in the sort of lifestyle that we're living. Or are we declaring by our words and by our lives that Jesus Christ is Lord? And then secondly, how are we using the gifts or spheres of work that God has already given us? Have you submitted your talents and your abilities to God? Have you asked him to energize them by the Spirit so that they can be used for his glory? And thirdly, are we open to receive and to use these spiritual gifts? A really good place to start is to ask God to give you the gift of tongues. And then, as I said, to open your mouth and try to speak in tongues. He may give you the gift. He may not give you the gift. It's very clear here. It says God gives different gifts to different people as he feels fit, as he distributes. Um, But if he doesn't give you that gift, he will give you one of the greater gifts that are mentioned here. Again, there is this sort of list of categories that, that, that sort of increases later on at the end of this chapter. The greater gifts, and they're greater because they are more useful in building up the people of God so that we can louder and clearer declare to others that Jesus is Lord. And more importantly, as the people of God together, that we can declare to heaven that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Amen.